You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer, and I have the privilege of co-hosting this with my good friend, Bart Kaler. And today, we talk to a good friend of ours. His name is John Azzoni. Formerly, he's the owner and executive producer of at Unveiled.tv. But if you follow John, you know that he is very passionate about talking through storytelling with higher ed marketing teams. And today, John shares with us his philosophy of emotionally resonant content. And I think he does an excellent job, with the help of you, Bart, of taking our listeners through the process of how to get the most out of storytelling for marketing for higher ed institutions. Yeah, he does a really good job. It's one of those things that I think Everybody knows what storytelling is, but everybody doesn't quite get what storytelling is. And I think that John does a good job of kind of unpacking that. I really like the words of emotionally resonant. And I think that 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 is kind of a a hint to where he's going with things. But I think he really kind of did a really good job of unpacking some things, giving you, again, some practical advice. I mean, we're all about that pragmatism here at the Higher Ed Marketer. And so it's exciting to kind of have that conversation with him today and be able to walk away with some things that you can actually go do. Agreed. He is an interesting guy teaching others how to be interesting as well. Here's our conversation with John Azzoni. John, this is old hat for you because you host your own podcast and we did give you a fair warning. So we start out each one of our episodes by asking our guests to share something that they've learned recently that they would deem fun or interesting. And I am eager to hear what your response is. Yeah, I just got back from vacation last week to Iceland. My my family and I took a trip there for about a week. And I was really surprised to, I don't know what I pictured Iceland to look like, I guess, you know, valleys of snow and things like that and glaciers. It was like a lot of volcanoes, like everywhere you go, it's volcanoes. And then the the result of eruptions from volcanoes, eruptions like as early as like a year or two ago just lava rock everywhere. And all the lava rock is like covered in moss. It's like really gorgeous. But yeah, we hiked some volcanoes, hiked a glacier and didn't get to see any lava. But sometimes that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, we have John Azzoni. He is the owner and executive producer at Unveiled.tv. And if you could kind of unpack that for us for those marketers within higher ed that might not know who you are. Yeah. So Unveiled is my video production company. We focus with higher ed marketing teams on storytelling and emotionally resonant content creation. So our main thing is we have a subscription approach to telling student alumni and faculty stories. Uh, It kind of automates the process so that we like our focus is giving schools a a large amount of uh, meaningful video content kind of in an autopilot fashion. 
And so that's kind of our main thing. And we do some other thought leadership videos and one-off videos, but that's our main deal is we work with colleges and, uh, and universities on video content. If you're familiar with John and his podcast, he does an excellent job of getting out to all of his listeners how to make relevant video content that, as he describes it, you arrive at your brand through the back door. So if you would start us through that journey and share some of the ways that you counsel and you work with colleges and universities to get their content to tell that story. Yeah, I think my main point of view that we talk about my podcast is Higher Ed Storytelling University. We talk about this a lot on there and elsewhere is it's just really kind of boils down to the fact that like creating emotionally resonant content. So we know that emotions are the major driver of decisions for prospective students. And we want to create content that hits those emotions. And I think a lot of people know that, but I think they don't really understand what that means to create emotionally resonant content. And that it's not just pitching your school's features and benefits over an inspiring soundtrack. I mean, I see a lot of that, like, you know, so many colleges, YouTube page, the at least the top video, the, their featured video is it's a poetic voiceover, an emotive soundtrack, you know, some poetic scripts and a lot of information about the school, a lot of pitching the school. And so that's just a little bit different than, you know, what I advocate for. I think that, you know, when we watch like Netflix or any any sort of show that we binge, we're not we're not coming back to that because it's like an infomercial, like it's like real, it's a lot of inf great information that we're learning. It's really the story, the characters, the, the journey of the characters and the way that we re relate to the characters and find ourselves in their shoes that kind of keeps us coming back. And so really this concept of arriving at the brand through the back door is kind of just that it's kind of like, it's a technique of storytelling. That's really just talking about something else, talking about something else. That's not the brand. That's not the product taking viewers on a journey through through trial, through hurdles and things like that to to eventually arrive or illustrate a point that arrives at the brand and the value of the brand. So, you know, a lot of schools will say we have world class faculty, for example. Everyone says that. And that's probably true of your school. But in a, a sort of backdoor approach to that would be let's sit down with a faculty member and hear them tell the story of something that they worked on. We worked with University of Chicago recently on their data science institute. And we talked to one of their professors, Arnab Bose, who was instrumental with the like creating adaptive cr cruise control in the 90s. And I'm like that, like you can't, you know, see a video about, you know, the guy that was like on the front lines of adaptive cruise control and not think world class faculty, you know, but it's not actually saying world class faculty. So that's kind of this, just the that's just kind of what we advocate for is it, that that's kind of how you uh, wrote people in and take people on an emotional journey. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the brand story by, you know, Donald Miller, you know, a lot of the work that he does, which is kind of focusing on that student as being the hero and, and being able to really kind of do that story arc that I think has been going on for millennial. And so just the idea of really kind of leaning into that, because you're right, people make the decisions by emotion and then they justify it by facts. And so I think a lot of times if we can know that going in as higher ed marketers, that gives us the ability to kind of tell those stories, make those story arcs and, and do it. And so one thing I want to kind of tease out with you a little bit real quick, John, is the idea of a lot of people maybe think they're telling stories because they're doing a lot of talking heads. They're, they're not, they're not, you know, showing buildings and they're not doing, you know, showing the features. And they think that they're, 
you know, getting the talking heads. And so all of a sudden that's a story. Help me understand a little bit about, you know, the difference between just having somebody like you, the illustration you gave was having a professor talking about a story that is engaging versus having a professor tell the facts and benefits of, of a department. Both are maybe look the same. You've got a person sitting in a chair by a window with a nice plant next to them, but there's different ways that that resonates emotionally. I really love that. I love that phrase. So tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, storytelling, it's a big word. And I swear, like, you know, so many people have, uh, you know, I'm a storyteller on their LinkedIn bios. And I don't think that most people really know what that, what that really means. Cause like to, to be a storyteller is to tell stories. So just because you sit on the marketing team for your college may mean that you were telling stories, but it may, I don't know if that qualifies you as like storyteller necessarily. It just because you create a video and put it to a nice soundtrack does not mean you necessarily told a story. So I think that really it's, it's about, like I said, just, it's about taking something other and bringing it around to the brand. There's a really good video by, came out from Western Sydney University. And it's this guy, I think his name is Dang or, or a dude or something like that. So he, it's this great, it's kind of a storyboarded film and it's very short. It's like a minute long shows him. He grew up in Uganda. He was kidnapped by this rebel army forced to become a child soldier. And he was eventually rescued by the United Nations, landed in uh, Sydney, Australia, ended up Western Sydney University, took him in. He like taught himself English, taught himself how to read, lived out of his car, all this stuff. And then he ended up studying law and he became this well-known defense lawyer. And now he works on like global injustice stuff, kind of like what he faced. And so that's like a very dramatic version of this. Like I'm sure, you know, not, (laughs) you know, your, your small liberal arts school maybe isn't going to have a story that dramatic, but it's the point of saying, how can we say we have a great law program without just saying we have a great law program? Or how can we say we're making an impact without just saying our school's making an impact? You know, it's really just the idea of showing versus telling. As I'm sure you have known that the whole idea of artificial intelligence and especially things like chat GPT are really starting to transform higher ed marketing. I really don't want anyone on this podcast to be left behind. So I really want to invite you to join the top minds in higher education at the inaugural Higher Ed Marketer Virtual AI Summit. It's going to be on October 24th. And in just one day, you're going to be able to discover practical strategies to leverage AI as your marketing collaborator and walk away with a lot of new skills as you do that. During the summit, you're going to learn how to create personalized outreach at scale, streamline content creation, boost your productivity, and so much more. Join Troy and I as we learn directly from innovative leaders, and many of those who have been our past guests, including Jamie Hunt, CMO at Old Dominion, Brian Piper from the University of Rochester, and Kyle Campbell, the education marketer. You're also going to be meeting several of our new friends, such as Rafi Dushinin of ERI Design, Dr. Gil Appel of the George Washington University School of Business, Dr. Jules White of Vanderbilt, and Artis Kadu from Element 451 and Austin Marshall on how to use AI for your graphic needs. Seats are limited for this can't-miss event. Visit thehigheredmarketer.com, that's thehigheredmarketer.com, and use code PODCAST for 20% off your ticket. There's also rates available for groups of tickets, so you can find out more at the site. I want you to unlock the power of AI to enhance enrollment, giving, and beyond at your institution. Join us on October 24th.
Yeah, I love that idea of showing versus telling because I think you're right. I think too many times we try to tell, whether it's through video or whether it's through our website or whether it's, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I see websites that are more catalog sites than they are storytelling or marketing sites. And so I think sometimes in higher ed, especially, we tend to lean more toward the academic approach, which is lecture, telling, those types of things. And we miss the opportunities to be able to really do that storytelling. So help me understand, because I think a lot of the people listening might be like, okay, this sounds great. I know what you're saying, John. I've been dying to do this forever. But every time I go to my dean in this particular college, they're like, no, that's not us. That's too flowery. That's too warm, fuzzy. We just need to give people the facts. And that's why they come. How do you address that? Oh, that's a good question. One thing is, it's, it's scientifically proven. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's something like 22, like people are 22 times more likely to remember your brand or to act or I, I'm probably butchering this. I know the number is 22 times with a story than with facts. And so they actually studied this. There was this Mercy Corps. They do they I think they send like nurses, like volunteer nurses overseas and, and things like that. So they decide they they put together this email campaign. They tried to see like which approach was going to get the most donations. So they did the typical like, here's the CEO talking about the mission of Mercy Corps and all the facts and, and statistics. And then they told us on the other hand, the B side, they told a story of this girl, I forget her name, who escaped her hometown because there was like a war going on and all this stuff. And then, you know, the moral of that story was like, this is an example of someone that we're helping. So instead of saying, this is how we help, they're showing, they're showing like, this is the person that we want to serve. And so the, the result of that study was 22 times more donations from the story of Giselle was her name than the typical approach. So I just think I always go back to that. I told that, that example so many times, but I think it's just so great. I'm like, <laughs> I wish there were like many more case studies like that. I'm sure there are, but I, I just think that's like, it really is scientifically proven that like you said, Bart, like we make decisions based on emotions and then we justify with logic. And so there's a time and a place for informal informational videos because you can't just tell stories all the time. So I guess, yeah, point number one is there is a place for information. It's just kind of like where in the funnel is that going to work best? So if we're if we're thinking about the funnel as top of the funnel awareness, that's a great place for storytelling. But eventually you do have to lead them down the funnel, and give them some information. So I would say there's a place for both. And there's nothing that's not saying that we're not saying that all of your marketing videos, all of your marketing collateral has to be sappy and emotional. And then B, I would say when we say emotional, that doesn't mean sappy. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean we're creating something that pulls at the heartstrings. You know, it's it could be like trust is an emotion. So if you're creating like thought leadership content, so if you're creating if you got a star faculty member and you're sitting them down and you're having them talk about, uh, you know, environmental sustainability and climate control and things that they're working on today and things that their field of expertise is feeding into today, cultural issues that are real today, that, that kind of thought leadership content that creates an emotion of trust for people that watch that. And so that that can be there can be information within those videos, but that but just you know, if you kind of take a sidestep from just saying, here's all the reasons why you should come to this school, then you're kind of closer to that emotional territory. Well, then, John, when you go onto a campus, is there a certain thought process that you enact 
when you work with your contact to help them find those compelling stories that are probably around them and have been around them, but they haven't been able to identify? Yeah, I mean, I always advise that storytelling, the process of storytelling, like involves listening, like listening is part of the storytelling process. I went to I went to art school. And so I studied abstract painting. And so I watch I like I really like watching videos on YouTube of artists in their studios. And I remember watching this video one time of this artist. And, it, and he said, you know, sometimes being an artist is just sweeping the floors, just coming in to the studio and sweeping up the floors and cleaning your area, getting ready to make art. And I, I was kind of connect that to storytelling. Like sometimes storytelling is just listening to people, you know, it's not telling the story, it's listening to their stories. Because when you learn of stories within your midst, the execution of those becomes so much easier because you're going to be compelled to want to tell those stories. How can you have this amazing nugget of gold that perfectly illustrates the value of your institution and you know about it and you just let it sit there and go, nah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, do the same thing we've always done. So, I mean, some, some ways that, you know, I advise schools to start listening for stories is number one, getting out of the marketing office. And I think Lauren Keene, she's from, she's in communications at Southern New Hampshire University. I think she said it best. She came on my podcast and she said, it's about going on a road show, an internal road show. She said, get, you know, you get out of the office, you talk to professors and stakeholders and people that are on the ground with students, because they're the ones that are really like the marketing team typically isn't on the ground with the students. And if you were just to say, Hey, like put out a mass email, Hey, we're looking for stories. Well, those people don't know what you need. You know, they, they, they think you want a student that's a star student, straight A student that's going to say, I liked the school, you know, five stars on Yelp, you know, that kind of thing. They don't know what makes a good story. On the one hand, it's just getting out of the office and talking to stakeholders and saying, this is like involving everyone in the marketing and the storytelling process. And then the other thing is using market research as an opportunity to collect stories. So having, get, going beyond the quantitative survey and do, having more qualitative discussions with students, you know, A, to find out what they think of your school. I mean, use that as a market research opportunity, but in that process, finding out where they come from and, and, what, their, and what their story is and um, what they feel about that and, and things like that, that's a great opportunity to find stories. So just really just kind of like getting out there. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that we have to remember as marketers that, um, you know, alumni especially kind of relate to our school, not as the school, but more affinity oriented. So they're staying in touch with their mentors, their professors. And so a lot of times those stories end up getting buried in the emails of the professors that unless you have a, you know, system in place where you have a you know place that you can start logging the stories and start having a little bit of an archive, whether it's a Google Drive or, or something a little bit more fancy than that. I think that some kind of process in place to kind of have a way to start gathering these stories that then you can then tease out and make them into something so that when you know, you're ready to do that video or you're ready to do that next item, you've got a place to go. And remember, too, that a lot of times I've talked to some schools, and I'm just going to give a quick tip. I've had a lot of people, and you know, we might come up with a strategy and say, hey, wouldn't it be great to have a testimonial from a, somebody who was a pre-med major who's now a physician at a hospital someplace? And, and what I get from them, and it's like, well, 
the alumni department doesn't get us that information. We just can't do that. And, you know, I, would, I had that once with the school and I said, well, let's jump on LinkedIn really quick and let's just do a quick search. It's amazing how many people you can find on LinkedIn just by doing, you know, going to your school, doing us, you know, clicking up on the alumni and then start, you know, sorting through and putting the years you want to look at, the age that you want and the, you know, their profession. We were able in like two minutes to find three doctors that fit the profile that we were talking about. And so I just think there's a lot more tools out there that can help us get in the right direction to be able to tell those stories, but it all starts with the relationships and you have to know where to, where to get those relationships. So I think that's a really good point. So now that we have a good idea of how to go out and attain these stories, I ask you, John, how do you use them? And in what ways can we put these stories to action, like in the enrollment process to have these benefit the institutions that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways and the ways that you craft a video really depends on the context that you're going to show that in. If it's a Facebook ad, that's going to be very different than showing a video at a conference or a capital campaign event where people have nothing else to do except for watch this video. <laughs> so, but, you know, putting thing, pu putting some sort of path together for people. So it could be, you have the main story and then there's a call to action, a strong call to action from there. And then you have breakout videos from there that are just pieces of that little teasers up from that are going on, you know, TikTok or reels or whatever, or LinkedIn, whatever. And they're pointing to the main video. Um, I mean, there's so many ways that you can craft that, that, that strategy, but the point really is you don't want to, you know, the content that we put out into the internet is just like a mist in the wind, you know, the, it's like in the algorithm and then it's gone in like a couple of minutes, you know? So you really want to make sure to have a strong call to action. So wherever you're putting this stuff, um, you really need to have a next, next step. And that's one thing I see schools don't do a lot of is they don't give people the next step to take in order to get the information that they would want from hearing that story. And they and you kind of waste views in that way. So really, I think storytelling is is kind of like on the front lines. And the goal, the goal of that is to develop like stickiness, you know, get your prospective students to stick to the brand so that you can continue to talk to them further. So I think that's a really important component about distributing stories. Yeah, it seems to me like a lot of times I think that we miss the opportunities to really leverage the stories that we do create. I love the fact that you kind of just kind of talked a little bit about, you know, getting them out on social media that it's a mist. I think a lot of times because it is a mist, you can actually recycle a lot of content a lot more than I think people realize because I think we're used to at least some of us who are a little bit older where we're used to, you know, back before everything was social and everything was digital. I mean, you know, you watch something on TV and next time you might see it might be a year from now because you don't have an opportunity to go watch it again. And so I think a lot of times there's still that mindset sometimes where, well, we just showed that last week. We can't show that again, or we can't use that again. Or why would we want to use that? Because it's already been used. I think that the attention span is different than it used to be. And because we are so bombarded there's a lot more opportunities to, to, to get those things. And so maybe that is kind of like, you know, kind of getting into our next conversation is how do you manage that kind of and, and recommend that, you know, as the expert, John, is, you know, what do people do with that long form video that they've invested in? I mean, how can you use that and recycle that? Because, you know, if it is a mist, 
there's a lot of opportunities to get it back in front of people. Yeah. I mean, typically, you know, schools are, if they're going to tell one story, they're probably telling multiple and, you know, you, you guys like Bart and Troy, like you could stop your podcast today (laughs) and probably never have anything new to put out content wise and just take your back catalog of podcast episodes and just break that up and just recycle it perpetually. And even just, you know, once you've got through the cycle, just repeating that. And most people would not know the difference. They have not, they hadn't seen one little snippet or another. I mean, so many, so many organizations have so much content that they already have that they're just underutilizing. Not to say that you guys are underutilizing. Well, I, I can guarantee there are only three people who've been a part of every podcast. It's me and Troy and the producers. So it's like, you know, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who've listened to some, but not all. And that's, you're exactly right. Yeah. Especially when it comes to podcast content, there's su- such a deep library. When I do my podcast, I, I get, you know, five to 10 snippets out of each one and so much more reach out of one long episode. And we can take that, that approach to telling video story. I do a lot of higher ed stories. I also do a lot of, there's a organization I work with that's an anti-human trafficking organization. So we, we tell a lot of human trafficking survivor stories, and those are such great opportunities to educate people through the long form story of what happened to this person and how law enforcement needs to rethink their thinking about, you know, uh, how to work with these types of survivors. But then it's all the short form content that can come out of that, that can educate in little topical areas and just be continually fanning that flame of views to that longer video. You can get so much more life out of something if you just do the long thing and then break it up into shorter topical videos schedule those out. Ben, that's been the lifeblood of how I, you know, market my business. And as soon as I started doing that, as soon as I kind of got a content engine, which for me is, is the podcast, it just made everything so easy. Cause then it was like, okay, I'm not every day thinking about what to post. I'm already going to do the long form thing. And then I'm just going to break it up. And, and, you know, schools can do that too. They're probably already doing some level of video storytelling on a regular basis, and they can always just break it up. Let's talk about that for a second before we finish everything up, because I really liked what you just said there, content engine. I don't think a lot of people talk that way, but I think it is something that I've come to realize. I mean, Troy and I have been, you know, this is episode 140-ish, and so I think that we've been doing that for a while, and you're right. I mean, we've got a ton of content back catalog. I have turned every one of these podcasts into a blog post, and so there's a lot of ways you can do this. Help me understand a little bit when you talk about content engines. I mean, what are some practical things that listeners can do right now to start building that content engine? Because I think a lot of people are still kind of, you know, it's whack-a-mole in the office where they're just like, hey, somebody gave me this. It's got to be done next week. It's kind of like what Ethan Braden talked about. It's like a short order cook. They're just being driven rather than being the drivers that can actually create the catalog that can start really pushing out the messaging altogether. Yeah. I, a content engine really is almost like a de-stressor, I think. <laughs> you know, it's like you build something that's just that you're going to get into this one habit that's going to produce the gamut of content that you're going to put out. And then anything else you do on top of that is is icing on the cake. Like I said, for me, with Higher Ed Storytelling University, we do a long episode. It's usually 45 minutes to an hour. We'll break that up into five or 10 individual posts that that go out on LinkedIn every something's going out every day and I just don't worry about it like I hand that to my editor she does it it's just going out and so it's very much on autopilot and then I can step in 
and make intentional decisions about what I want to post other things, things like that for other ways of, you know, it could be for school. It could be once a month, we're going to sit down with uh, a professor and we're going to just talk to them for an hour. And then for that month, it's just, we're going to be promoting that program. It could be, you know, what? once a month, we're going to go into a classroom where learning is happening and we're going to create a video of this lecture and we're going to break that up into smaller pieces. It really comes down to like, what's a long form thing that you can do that you can then just get so much more mileage out of by breaking it up rather than thinking about what are 20 different ideas for videos, you know, that I can come up with individually. It's really, well, what's one video for an idea that I can get 20 videos out of? Yeah, I think that's wise. I think you're exactly right. And I think sometimes whether it's video, whether it's blogs, I mean, sometimes it's that idea of, you know, one of my favorite things is to sit down with the admissions team and say, what are the 50 questions people ask us about our school or about coming to school? And, you know, over a pizza and lunch, they can come up with 50 in a heartbeat. And then you just flip that around and say, okay, how do I answer these questions in a thousand word essay, put some keywords on it. And all of a sudden you got a year's worth of blog content. And, you know, just from that one, you know, pizza lunch, you can really walk away with a lot of things. So it comes down to that. How can I turn that into a lot more than what it is in the moment? Yeah. I am very envious, Bart, of your blog, your blog habit. I do. You, I think about you all the time. I'm like, man, Bart's just really nailing it with it's like, he's just got so much blog con, uh, content on his site. I'm like, ah, I need to find some time to, <laughs> to pivot in that way. <laughs> it's a habit. And just for the secret on my, um, my listeners, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a team. It used to be me and I would stress out every week because my assistant would come along and she'd say, Hey, it's a Tuesday. You said you're going to have that blog post ready today. And I would just run out of time. And so finally the, the smartest move I made was about six or seven years ago, hiring some ghostwriters and really investing the time in them to help them understand how I think. And, you know, they've been doing it long enough now where, you know, they can speak on my behalf and, and I, I can give them the ideas and they go and run with it and, and write it. And so it, it is a team effort and they've done a lot of really good jobs. And even with the recent Forbes articles we've been doing, I mean, that's purely been a team effort and it's, it does make it look like I do a lot, but I, I couldn't do it without a team. And I imagine with the SEO, like the SEO return on investment for that is, is probably amazing. If you all you did was the podcast, I think that would be great. But then finding ways to repurpose that, that are going to get those keywords out into Google and all this stuff. It's just, it's so smart to, to have a content engine of some sort and then figure out how can you take that to the next step to repurpose. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, we'd like to wind this episode up by asking you, based on what we've talked about today, if there's a thought or idea that you could offer that if acted upon by a listener would move the needle immediately for them, what idea would that be? Yeah, I mean, I think the we, we kind of already talked about it was is just it's just finding that content engine. And I think what you could what people can do today even is go back into your existing library of content if you have one and find ways that you can repurpose that. And once you get, once you start getting onto that, into that habit of getting stuff out into the internet regularly, I think it builds confidence and I think it builds excitement around wanting to do fresh stuff. And so then finding, finding partners to, to come alongside you for that. But I, I really do think that content creation doesn't have to be stressful. 
but looking for the content that you have and looking at what's the most emotionally resonant stuff here that we can make something of today and just know that chances are 99% of people don't remember seeing that ever. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I think really important to me are, are two things. It's the emotionally resonant content and the storytelling that kind of comes along with that, but then also finding ways to get the most mileage out of that because storytelling and really content creation in general and creating meaningful content does take thought. It takes creativity. You really, it's not just something you wake up every day and you do a new one. <laughs> no, it's just not like just something that you just whip out. It really takes thought and intentionality. And so you want to make sure that you're using that as much as possible, getting the most out of it. Thank you, John, for being a guest on our podcast. And I want to make sure that we let all of our listeners know about your podcast and also how to contact you. Um, so please emphasize how someone can follow and get in contact with you. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, John Azoni. My last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I. You can check out our work at unveiled.tv. It's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. You got to spell it wrong to spell it right. Our, my podcast is called Higher Ed Storytelling University. And then I also have a weekly newsletter that people can subscribe to. It's unveiled.tv slash newsletter. We talk all about, we go a lot deeper on creating emotionally resonant content every week. So. He is an interesting follow. I got hooked on him, and that is the reason why we wanted to make sure we highlighted him on the podcast. So again, John, thank you very much for accepting that invite and being a part of our episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Bart, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? There's quite a few things here today that we really talked about that I that I love. I mean, first starting with this, just this idea of emotionally resonant content. I think that that just says so much in, in three words. And, and John, if you ever write a book, that's the title right there. And I think that the idea of just really kind of being able to, to make that resonance, you know, the idea that it just keeps going on, it has that, it has that echo that you know, is emotional and it kind of keeps people thinking about it and it, it draws them in. I think that's really critical. And I love the, just the idea of, of storytelling. And you know, we talked about a lot of different ways of, of doing storytelling, but at the end of the day, it comes down to really being able to emotionally connect with the people that are listening. We had Neil Ford on the podcast a few months ago. And if you haven't heard Neil tell stories, he is an incredible storyteller. That's why we had him on there. He's not a videographer. He's not a writer. He's not anything else. He's, a, he's an ad guy that just knows how to tell stories. And his videos are so engaging. But you know what? All they are is him standing in front of a black screen with a decent amount of dramatic lightning with no music, he just tells a story. And I tell you what, they are so engaging and so just, they just capture you. And so a lot of what we've talked about here, I mean, there's a lot of ways to put a camera in front of somebody, but if you don't have that story, it's not going to be as effective. And I think, I think that John's done an incredibly good job of being able to help us understand that. There was a couple other things that he said that I wanted to kind of just pull back a little bit because, I mean, he caught it. One of the things he said earlier was, well, it's a lot easier being able to have a content engine than sitting down one time and just wondering what am I gonna what am I gonna share today on social media? I think that's one of the keys is having a content engine, an editorial calendar, and a plan so that you're not working every day opening up social media or opening up at the start of the week saying, What am I gonna market this week? You've already thought that through. And so really putting that plan together, having that content engine, having that discipline, it's gonna pay off in the long run. And if I can do it, and I can do it just as a solopreneur type of person with a team of 
really good people, you can do it too. And so just figure out how to get it done. And I would encourage you to do that. So thanks again, John. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thank you both for the thoughts that you shared today. We also are grateful for our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios. The Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Ring Digital, providing direct mail for digital, accurately serving ads directly to the devices, to the address list at each stage of the enrollment funnel. I'm Troy Singer on behalf of Bart Kaler and our guest, John Azoni. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time.